0: Hey, welcome back to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Steve.
1: Hey, how's it going, hockey fans?
0: And you know us, we're just a couple goalies that have taken one too many pucks at a head, and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. We've mostly covered the National Hockey League, but we'll also discuss other happenings around the hockey world, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let us know what you think. Also, be sure to comment and share any hockey news, highlights, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So to start off today's podcast, we want to again introduce our special guest, assistant coach of the Carlton Plays Canadians out of the EOJHL, Coach LaMarche. How are you doing?
2: Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Good.
1: Yeah, Chris is doing a little bit
2: better than us there, bud. But uh... yeah.
0: <laughs> The American team beating Canada in the World Juniors. But before we go there, I actually want to talk about Finland-Russia. What, uh, what do you boys think of that game?
1: I didn't even watch to be honest. And and here's why. Okay. Well, but here's why. It's Russia has this has this recurring theme that when they're in that medal round, like not the not the gold medal round, like going for the bronze, that same effort just isn't there. So yeah. I've seen it happen before and I just went I've got better things to do with my time than if they were they went full effort. You guys can tell me if you feel like they did, but I've seen it before in the past. And I didn't want to
2: waste my time with it. So that, that was me. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I mean, I watched the game. I think Russia came out pretty hard. They kind of put it to for a bit, and I actually thought kind of uh, – right away I kind of thought, oh, this is going to be kind of a runaway for Russia. Uh, but then Finland fought back, and I think, honestly, Russia just kind of laid down at the end. I just didn't really see a lot of the guys giving a hard sense they were at the start of the game, and I think they just kind of were in that – that you know you're you're playing for third place, and I, I, the Russia mo seems to always be if you're not going for gold, you're not going for anything. Yeah, I yeah. think you're both a spot
0: on with that because I mean that's something I've noticed that yeah, if they're not playing for and honestly, I see that out of the United States a lot of times too. Truthfully, they're they're not going hard in that bronze medal game. Maybe you all can tell me what you think Canada does when they if they ever play that game. If the Russian Federation or the United States is in that game, they. They're not giving it their all. In all honesty, they generally lose the game, and you saw that out of the out of the Russians. And I called the game. I called the score. Nothing, nothing surprising out of that game, to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is I'm trying to think of the last time Canada took a bronze, right? And I still watch those games, right? It's the gold medal game. Let's be honest; we're all looking forward to because we want to see flash. But to be honest with you, I always think the Finns and the Swedes. Checks and teams like that show up for those games, and I could be wrong, right? Because I'd have to go back. No, and, I think you're right, and look back at it. But this—it's a pride thing. So players just don't want to show up for that last game. Then what the hell? What was the whole tournament for to begin with, right? And there's yeah. nothing. It, you know, i, I hate people. I go for it's first place or nothing. no, it's getting that bronze around you know around your neck after a heated battle. You know, shit is definitely worth something. Yeah, I just didn't like I said. If I had extra time on my hands. I may have watched it, but laying laying the groundwork, so like I can watch a little bit more hockey in about a week's time. <laughs>
2: well, well, here's a question for you guys before we jump into the sure. next one: Is would you add, not after the game, talking about during the game? Would you rather win bronze or lose and "quote unquote" win silver?
0: Uh, truthfully, I think I think this is something they should change. I honestly, I hate to say it, but I think you're playing for the gold or the bronze in a game like that. And you're winning. You're aiming for silver in the secondary game because winning silver as the loser of one game. It, it, like look at the look at the Finns' response when they got their bronze. They were excited. Look at the Canadians' response when they got their silver. Every team that wins silver in Olympic in Olympic games or World Cup or World Juniors under eighteen, whatever. Well, the, I understand the it. concept, but. If you lost in the final game, you should be getting a bronze, not a silver. I think you're, well, you're competing I don't, for the silver.
1: I don't, I don't know about that. I would say... I mean. Yeah, I don't. I, I think if you're going to go that route, then you have to have those two other teams battling to see who can compete to get the silver medal then at that point. Because what have they earned by losing out in that semifinal game, right? So that just means there would be one more game added to a tournament where do two teams necessarily want to play that extra game to fight for a silver, right? It, no, no, know.
0: I'm not saying I played the extra game to fight for a silver. What I'm saying is that if, if you're in the gold medal game, technically, like I said, you've, you've got to, you got to fight to get to the gold medal game. Correct. You got the semifinals. You've got get this time. You had Russia against Canada and us against Finland. I would say that you know that if you go to the gold medal game, you're getting gold or bronze. You're not getting silver, so you got to fight.
1: Do you want to be the bronze
0: medalist that that basically gets a good congratulations, you made it to the final game, bronze, or how about the team that actually won their final game, they get the silver? I don't see a, a massive issue with that. Maybe it's a traditional well, thing, but uh, no, I'd say that just, you lose gonna, that final game, you get the bronze. You don't earn the silver.
1: You're also missing the rankings for double IHF, right? So this plays into the ranking of a team overall, overall for the for the year, right? And I don't know what... Again, you know, I should be talking to more Europeans who are completely into this, right? Um, because as Canadian, I start losing interest around Spangler and all that other crap, right? right? Because when the Spangler Cup's generally going on, we've got some... You know, there wasn't one this year, right? I not so. Yeah, the Spanglers they always... always around this year. Yeah, exactly. It's always around this time of the year. I'm usually more focused on the juniors and then getting back to the NHL. You know, it's my own bias, but it does that... The medal in that really does affect your overall ranking with the double IHF. You'd have to look into that, Chris. Take a look into that, because that'll also help form your opinion, right? Because I can't see anybody else agreeing saying... Well, my country's rankings are now going to drop because they made it to gold medal game and then they got a bronze. So, well, they could they could modify that. Like if you
0: make it to the gold medal game and you end up with the bronze because you lost, I'd still say that you still made it. I would rank the silver and the bronze the same way. Truthfully, you win the gold, you got that extra point or whatever the however the hell they rank, but. I just don't see, like, winning – earning a silver, not winning, because you never win a silver in hockey. Why not win a silver and earn a bronze? I'm just – it just seems more appropriate that the team that gets a bronze medal is way more excited than the team that gets a silver medal. Why not? No, I mean, it?
2: I, I kind of agree. I mean, like, as the kids, you think about, like, you see the kids who win bronze and they're excited, they're all happy, um, you know, and the kids who quote, unquote, while well, you said, earn silver – you know, you get it, and I'm sure, like, like I said, in a few you know a few days or a few weeks later, you're kind of looking at it, and you're proud of, you know, I finished second, I got a silver medal. But in that moment, it's kind of like, you you earned second place in the tournament, but you're so distraught because you were so close to winning that gold medal, but yet the third-place team, who won bronze, is still, wherever in their country, partying like they won gold because they won a game to win that. So to me, it always kind of bugged me. It's like, you know, you, you win, I mean, don't get me wrong, like a silver, like silver medal, like, That's great. You finished second in that tournament, you got the silver medal, you earned it. But at the same time, it's like, you're just so low about winning that medal.
0: Yeah, because you didn't earn the gold. You were that close.
1: Well, Well, you know, but before this, too, let's talk, let's try to find somebody who actually had that silver medal, you know, that has it. We've watched guys throw tantrums and whip it into the crowd, right? You know, at times when they're, you know, frustrated about how our game went or how our call went, usually it's about the call, right? More than is the, you know, the entire game. Cause I've never seen it happen when it's been a good, un, you know, uncontested game. There wasn't a BS call that determined it, right? So I think the real people that should speak to it are the people that actually have those silver medals around their necks. And again, in my opinion, they still earned it, right? It's just the, it's that the defeat, right? All these guys are playing high level hockey somewhere, they've all been champions at some point, and you watch the emotion of those guys just distraught after a loss, right? So, that's why I'm just saying I don't know about that. Because... Well, it's
0: it's on both the men's and the women's side, because the U.S. Uh, women's team has had Canada's number for the last couple tournaments as well, especially in the Olympics, and you definitely saw some of the, uh, the Canadian athletes there chuck their medals, and of course, that got some backlash there out of Canada, as it should have, because you still earned silver. But I don't know. I would say, hey, if there's a silver medalist listening to this podcast and you want to jump on and tell us how you feel about earning your silver medal in a in a loss, because that's how you earned it in hockey, tune in. Tell us how you felt at that moment. Tell us how you feel weeks later. Tell us how you feel now. Because I think that's important to hear from someone who's actually earned a silver medal versus the three of us. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, that's, that's where I was going with this. Let's get somebody, because you may hear a story of somebody who's really proud of that silver right that mm-hmm. hey they, it's just their home and because i i can imagine myself like look if i was good enough to ever play in a world junior tournament and i got a silver medal like yeah i'm going to be thinking about that loss you were the team that competed against the team that won the gold and a, go- a goal this way
0: a goal that way could have determined if you're wearing gold or silver at the end of the day and as we're moving into this because let's just move into canada united states it was one of those games where one bounce this way, one bounce that way. I tell you what, I was tweeting the whole game, living and dying with every shot. And I tell you what, when the U.S. was up two to nothing, and Dylan Cousins came on and that shorthanded, <laughs> when I saw Cousins with it as a Sabres fans, so I'm like, yay! As a as an American, I went, you know, I held my breath and just waited for him to score and for me to just. And he hit that post, and I was I dropped to my knees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there was there there's a couple posts. Like, I think the one that hurt oh, me God. more was was the defense. No, I just
0: remember that Dylan Cousins one oh. because it was just
1: it just yeah. felt like
0: Canada was had it,
1: woken up. Was it who was it that hit the post in the defensive and it dropped up? Or just yeah, there we go. Yeah, wow. so yeah, so I I when he hit that post, I went there was our like to me that was when my gut sank. I'm like there was our best opportunity to get back into this, right? I'm like that if we score that one right there then that gives you more, more momentum to go. But when they hit that post, I went, well, <laughs> that's the kind of game it's going to be now. Like, they were going to have to... They weren't going to score on a clean shot because, you know... And, and here's what I was talking about beforehand, Sebastian. Like, of course, you know me and Chris. We always talk about hockey. So um, we we were talking earlier. And okay, as a goalie, the best thing you can do is start putting pucks on me early. And mm-hmm. in one of these games... What 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 drives me nuts are these terrible shots from uh, you know from the outside perimeter, right? You're just you're all you're doing is getting the goalie for the feel of the puck and getting him into the game, and that's what Canada yeah. did a lot in the first period. And I would much rather them see like you know when where would I want to see overpass or just funneling stuff towards the net. Like I don't have a problem with the perimeter shot if there's two guys or at least one guy standing there, right? Re- ready to whack away at a rebound, right? Trying to get a dirty goal. But what I was seeing was, well, there's no other options. So I'm just going to fire it. And overtime in the Stanley Cup Finals, hell yeah, take that shot, <laughs> right? You got a worn-out goalie. You don't know what's going to happen, but it, just to me, it was like Canada's Canada's first period shots. Just let Knight get a feel and get right into that game and lock into his zone. And then when they, you know, came back with bigger, better scoring opportunities later in the second, right? Knight was in his zone. Like he was not being shaken. But that's just my thoughts on that. What do you think, Sebastian?
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think they were just kind of, they were kind of, it looked like they were almost timid at the start. They were just trying to just shoot, put some pucks on net. And like you said, he could see everything. There was no traffic in that. And that was one thing that I kept kind of saying over and over when I was watching the game. Is no net presence. there? They were just shooting pucks on net and you're playing against a goalie and this is kind of what me and and the wife were kind of talking about is you're playing against a goalie who's basically heard all tournament how a seventh round draft pick from the exact same team that you got drafted with in the first round is playing and is the best goalie in the tournament across from the ice from you. He went in so motivated it probably wasn't even funny. And then you're just giving them this warm-up shots all Mm -hmm. game and then you try to put some pressure on a little late. The kids on the kids on fire. There was no beating him as soon as Canada kind of came out was a little timid wasn't really getting in his face you know kind of getting in his house it kind of me just by the second period i was like oh this is gonna be a long game because it's kind of they've they've just given them time to to get onto his game
1: yeah yeah that's yeah, i mean go, go, go ahead chris sorry
0: uh, as much as knight and levi were competing for the gold medal these are also two goaltenders that know they're competing for a, a job in Florida, these guys aren't just competing for different teams or competing for to get drafted. They've both been drafted by the same National Hockey League team. And did Sebastian ever say a couple weeks ago, like Florida is covered in that for years to come? Because uh, you look at, of course, they got Bob's now, dragger's fantastic, and then they got these kids coming in, Knight and Levi. I think, are you, are I think being, he nailed being, it there. I mean, you, these are, are you, two guys that are competing for the starting job, and are, neither want to back up the other. So, with the way Canada came out there, they built up Knight's confidence. And the second he had that, like, I mean, you were talking about earlier today, Steve, they gave him the the warm fuzzy, you know, early in the first period. And from there, he just he was focused and
1: he felt the puck, man. Like you yep. tell it Once you feel the puck is a goalie, you're in it, man. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, the only thing that would that shirts that a bit is if you if, you know, the, like, what I would have been looking for a Canada is a tip and goal, right? Something that, you know, you could try to shake off, but something to try to get into a bit, right? But like Sebastian was pointing out, we weren't getting in his grill early on. We weren't We weren't in the dirty areas. Um, and you know what? I think the U.S., you know, took what Canada did the previous game, you know, watching the footage, you know, saying, look, Canada came out trying to just just attack in that first period. Let's take it to them. Don't sit back and wait, Right. Another thing, though, Sebastian, I noticed this two games ago, but of course I wish the Canadian media would speak up more about this stuff because I noticed it, is Canada's play carrying the puck out of their own end, right? And a lot of circle backs to defense, but they've got a good, you know, they had a strong mobile defense, which helped them. But what I found is not only in the U.S. game, but there's a couple of games, it was their puck movement with good, clean, crisp pass coming up in the neutral zone, and to me, I don't know, I don't think it was against the, it was a little bit against the Finns, you know, where I saw this. But it was. A, I think it was the Slovaks, where Canada wasn't coming up with that speed. They just kept passing the puck to almost stationary guys, and we were getting hemmed up. And then we were able to come away with the win, but I looked at that uncomfortable, right? I, I really looked at that saying, you guys got to tighten this up. Like, anybody can shut you down if they put, you know, if they really, you know, Pushed in and trap you in that neutral zone. They come at you with speed and attacking you. They're just going to pick it on and off, or you're going to have to make another bad pass. In the first period, actually, the first you know, Canada didn't really ramp up until the last couple of minutes of the second period, where they finally started cracking in a bit. But it was like the first period and a half, the U.S. had them sh- shut down in that way. Was I am I seeing something wrong, or did you guys see the same thing I saw?
2: No, that's exactly it. I mean, I think they were kind of just standing still, and it was that. What we kind of talked about with Canada kind of got stuck with a few times the tournaments where they're kind of they're not looking to make things happen, they're waiting for things to happen, and that kind of happened a bit. And then the third, um, I think they just got, they, I don't know, I think they got maybe frustrated with, you know, not being able to score. And I noticed that a lot of their guys were just standing at the opposite blue line waiting for a pass, which they're standing still receiving a pass going in two on one or two on two on defensemen. And it just wasn't working. And I just, it was just frustrating to watch that, you know, before, like we talked about before, even when we were texting back and forth. You know, they were so good in all three zones, but last night something happened where they weren't really caring about the neutral zone. They weren't going back to pucks. They weren't picking it up with speed. And they were just trying to waiting for things to happen. I mean, the US did the opposite. The US went and made things happen. And that's exactly why they got the win.
1: Yeah, it was and talking to the positives on the US though, right? They they came out on the attack, tons of speed, physical. Because the Canadian team was physical, but the U.S. won almost every board battle. It was just, you know, right away it looked like the U.S. was hungry to take it. And Canada, to me, you know, it's that you know they've done so well in the tournament. Well, we just don't want to. We, we just don't want to lose this game. They didn't play to win. They were playing not to lose, and that they lost. That that mm-hmm. first that first goal of, again. Going back to the goaltending, Levi Lovey, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> he. uh he looked he looked still solid and you know, that he's he's got the best one of the best goaltender psychologies I've seen in a long time. And that kid when he's he's hard to face. Even after the tipping goal, the wraparound once unfortunate, fortune, right? Looking the wrong way when it came around. He still played big. He still he still had a solid game, but and faced way more, in my opinion, okay, way more challenges than the US goalie did. The US goalie had to be really damn good in that third period. That's when he, you know, he played, he played a good goalie, goalie, he played a good game. I'm not taking anything away from the first period or anything, but when the big chances happened, you know, in that third period, especially late, man, he was solid. So
0: I want to chime in as the American Mm -hmm. on this podcast, the solo American on this podcast. You're right. I think the U.S. kind of dictated. The rhythm of the game there, Canada let it just kind of happen to them. I think, you're, as you were saying there, Canada was playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And I think the U.S. definitely took advantage of the way Canada was playing. And when Spencer Knight got his confidence, it was kind of lights out. My wife and I were watching it, and she was wearing the Canada jersey, and I was wearing the American jersey, and she caught me. Basically how I watch a game like this, of this magnitude – I would say I wasn't super worried about any of the shots Spencer was facing in the in the first period. It was I felt like the U.S. kind of controlled where Canada shot from. Canada didn't take any massive risks. Canada again, like you guys were saying, was just trying not to lose. And then I want to say it was the second period. When did Cousins break in with the shorthanded opportunity? That was, that,
1: that was second. I want to say like the ten or some somewhere later in the second period is when I think that happened.
0: Canada's waking up. I just kept tweeting, <laughs> like, and then it just felt like in the third period it was just a shooting gallery for Canada on Spencer Knight. Uh, Canada was getting some really solid chances in the third period, and Knight was on his game and he was just shutting him down. and I think Can- the U.S. kind of did like th- what they did in the Finnish game and they just in the Slovak game, uh, they just kind of backed up a bit and Let the other team dictate the play, and I'm like, Well, this is how goals get scored. Spencer Knight had his confidence, he stood there strong, he proved why he was drafted so high a, a year or two ago. At the end of the day, the U.S. was able to down Canada 2 0. Which, when's the last time the U.S. shut out Canada in a goal? Like, has that ever happened?
1: Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at scores because you know, usually with the world junior, by the time you know, the tournaments, like, there's, it's, the, the, there's very few games that I remember specific. Goals, or, or you know, or uh, I wouldn't say that so much, but you know, the score of the game like the, the biggest one that ever stands out in my head was because we had just moved here to Arizona in '08. was uh, was our boy scoring on the Russians with what was it? it was It 14 seconds left when that happened. The, the classic goal, like off the pads, he picked up the puck and oh. put it in, Oh, boy. yeah, Eberly, yeah, Eberly, you know, that there's yeah, there's I tied there's,
2: up the team last minute,
1: yeah, exactly. Because my wife and I are he was sitting here in the U.S. going. You know, we, we got to watch the juniors, and we're like, "Oh shoot, we're going to watch Canada lose in their first year here. This sucks, <laughs> right?" And then that happened, so that one really stands out in my head, right? Because it was, you know, it came right down to the wire. So, you know, Chris and I, when we were talking about the women's hockey in the Olympics, my biggest from the women's Olympics was not playing the twins on the ice for the first two shots. If <laughs> I'm that coach, to me, that was the most. That that again. What's her name again, uh, Chris? Because eventually Yeah. Yeah. That that move was so disgusting. You know, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and if the coach knew about that ability to do that, why would you have saved her for what? Was she the fourth shooter, I think? Or was she, like, what, I forget what even shot number she was. But she should have been number one, because if she puts that kind of move on the goalie right away, confidence destroyed, <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Your strap and everything, like that, was such a beautiful hockey move. So, like, those are the moments that pop up in my head, as opposed to scores of a game, right? Like, I want to go back to one other thing, though. um You know, with the U.S. play, kudos to their defense, right, to really boxing out the chances of the U.S. You know, they just they just kept them at bay, right? And you know, that's also kudos to the the for forward, the forwards in the center, right, for coming on back, collapsing in that zone, and just not and sticking with your man, right? They just did not let them crack that until, again, super late in the game. And then who's the uh, young rookie that I was saying? Yeah, he, he looked damn good. What was his name again? Yeah, Veneers. Yeah, he just carrying the puck with that kind of confidence at the age of 17. So I, he's he's the one in a couple, you know, next year and the next few years, right? He's going to be the one to watch.
2: Yeah, and I mean, for me, I had the same thing. You, like you I kind of had in my notes the same thing you had about the defense. I mean, to me... I know everyone wants to talk about the offense and all that. For me, the player of the game in my mind was that York kid they had on defense, their captain. He did such mm-hmm. a good job boxing. You know, he did such a good job picking up any rebounds there was. You know, making sure no rebounds were there, no chances for the Canadians. And uh, to me, like when I was watching, I was like, well, that kid's the player of the game. And I think that was one of the big differences is US's defense really shut them down. And it was a quiet shutdown. It wasn't something
1: that you know you see big moves. Right, that was kind of just a steady defense. But it's all they needed. If we went on there and we laid a deuce and a half on the ice, I I would have felt bad. And also to the team you're playing, right? They played a hell of a hockey team. Their goaltender came up huge, and they they scored clutch goals, right? Yeah, again, kudos to the U.S. on a you know that's that's a hell of a hard fought victory because their division was a hell of a division to get out of too. Like that, talking about the Swedes and Russians stacked into your own division, right? So that one's uh, that one's even more impressive. So so anyway, that was a. That's basically my thoughts on the game. You guys got anything else to add? Sebastian?
2: No, I think for me it's kind of – that was it. I mean, we talked about offense. They came out hard on offense. They pushed the play against uh, against Canada. Their defense played shutout. Spencer Knight, you know, I think was a little bit motivated and played as, played as hard as he could and played a great game. And I just think that Canada just wasn't able to to match the U.S. pace, and that's what at the end of the day, it's kind of a, what, what got the U.S. victory.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I was I was really happy with obviously <laughs> – I was really happy with the outcome. I can't tell you I was confident at any point, even with a minute 37 left. It's Canada. Canada can score now and then score again. I mean, you know, having even flashbacks to uh, the, the most recent NHL playoffs were, what was it, Toronto? <laughs> like With like three goals and like how long was that that they scored three goals?
2: Same, the same point as you did. Like for me, like on the bench, I'm – completely different like if we're down I'm always like positive we can get back and get back watching a hockey game I'm the opposite they were done and after the second period and I was like you know what US has just outplayed them they're gonna win this and that's what she was saying she was like you know what like think of the last few gold medal games like something always happens like it's never you know a team thinks they've got a team shut down like you said you know they come back score three goals and win the game or whatever and it's like I was like yeah yeah it's true that's true and then I just saw the US come back there with that speed and that determination of third period, and I was like, you know what? Good on the U.S. They really – they came out and they they did what they had to do. And, and that's the thing. It's
0: like not only am I a hockey fan and a hockey player, but I'm a sports fan and I'm from Buffalo. So if you haven't listened to this podcast, I mention it probably every podcast. So if there's any city in the world, truthfully, that knows how to lose, last second, it's Buffalo. I know what losing at the last second feels like, so – I don't ever hold on hope until the clock runs out. Okay. Well,
2: you know the Brett Hall goal then? I I okay
0: so (laughs) with with the Brett Hall goal, I get triggered. I get triggered with the Brett Hall goal because it wasn't a goal. Like you called it a goal, right? It wasn't a goal. The National Hockey League called it a goal. when When it comes to the when it comes to the Stanley Cup, we didn't lose to the Stars. The National Hockey League took it. The National Hockey League was tired. No. They wanted to go uh, home.
2: I, I agree. With
1: well, you. they they wanted they they were so sick of that stupid rule. They just horrible. And even for Brett Hall to say it was a good goal, shut up, Brett. You know it wasn't a good goal. Awesome hockey player though. I can't contest that, right? What a shot! You know, no, one of the best but, in NHL history, but, yeah, that but that wasn't a goal, Brett. That that was not a good like it wasn't. Your foot was over the line that should have been called back, and the NHL just let it go, right? And hey, the can't, interesting can't thing was, I would love. Oh, I would just love to have seen if it was if it wasn't Buffalo, right? Because who was big at that time? Like who was one of the other bigger ri- rivalries, right? Um, Detroit. So yeah, yeah let's it was, just say Detroit. If Detroit, it was, oh, of course, Detroit was in the West at that point. So yeah, yeah, but just just to say, like it was a team that was you know touted to be favorites, right? That was you know a more beloved franchise in the league, like sorry Buffalo. You get the short end of the stick of based on where you're located, but I know. you know it's it that played a lot into it because if it was a different team, you probably would have seen you know that goal get reversed. But it so anyway, it's funny how we're we 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 just took a giant leap over this way, <laughs> <laughs> and this all had to do with hope. But I'm I'm a momentum guy, right? Like I was in the locker room and we were losing, you know, and I knew we could still get back in the game. I'm gonna give you a kick in the ass type of guy, like. You know, boys, pour it on. Go for ugly goals. Get in the crease, right? Do that type of stuff, right? And then simultaneously, after I get that out of my system, shutting myself up, getting back into my own calm zone and <laughs> going back out and playing, watching last night's game, like I was waiting for that moment. Who was going to step up and really just, you know, just take this, right? And nobody did on Canada. that like we all came close. Like there was guys that had good chances, but nobody in my opinion, just rose up and said, no, nah, I'm not going to go down this easily, right? That's just the way I felt. And that's why I didn't have that hope for a comeback because it just seemed the, the guys were battling, but nobody really wanted to just put it out there, right? Because in my opinion, I'll ask the Canadian, then I'll ask the American afterwards. Sebastian, did you feel like Canada left everything on the ice that game? I don't think so. And honestly, the reason
2: why I don't think so is, to me, the, the, just the decision who to put on the ice when, kind of me was just kind of like you're not giving your big guys a chance to make the big plays. I saw Byfield on the ice more than anybody else and take away the Swiss game. And to me, he was a ghost the entire tournament. I don't think that, like, in that game, I think you lean on Cousins, you lean on, you know, all um, New Hook, all those guys that have been scoring for you, you lean on them so hard. And to me, it's just kind of they were just trying to make something else happen. They weren't really pushing everything on. Like, they weren't putting all their chips on the table. They were kind of leaving some in the pile beside them. I just to me, I, I don't think they went
1: all out. Yeah, and there was there was just other players. In my opinion, like I agree with you, and then I'll get, let you jump on this one, Chris. There were just other players. Like McMichael looked like he was having a good game, right? And yep. you know the the names. Yeah, honestly, I kept
0: me- hearing McMichael's name, and I'm surprised he wasn't on the ice more.
1: Yeah, and it's that's my thing. Is I that agree. You got, when you're down like that, you know, I know you've got four, you know, gotta follow words. the
0: players that are giving you momentum. Like the U.S. Yeah. had that momentum, line, and they
1: kept riding it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. So now, Chris, what about Canada's performance? Do you think they left it all on the ice?
0: No, I think you guys are. I think you guys are pretty accurate. I think Canada came out there not to lose. It's and that's not how you enter a game like that. It's not a seven-game series. You can't just head out on the first game and feel out your opponent. And if you win, great. If you lose, okay, you can come back. It's the World Juniors. It's one and done. You got to come out there every single game, looking to. Beat your opponent, and I think Canada came out there, you know. And this could just be my personal opinion. I think Canada came out there with a little bit of arrogance, like we got this. We've, you know, we haven't we haven't been behind us uh, this entire tournament. It's the States. We we face these guys often enough. They're not as good as us, and we're gonna beat them. And I think. The U.S. came out there the way the U.S. should have come out there, and the U.S. came out there like, no, we we know this team's probably the best in the tournament, so let's show them that we're better. And I think that's what the U.S. did right out the gate. The U.S. came out there on fire and they they follow, you know, maybe this is coaching, you know, because like you guys said, I think that they could have played a couple different Canadians a little bit more. Like McMichael was on fire that tournament or not that tournament, but that game. Like you could see the passion out of guys like him and Zari and stuff and put the guys out there who are competing. And that's what the that's what the states did. The states put out there the guys, the passion. We didn't put out our best line all the time. We put out the line that was performing the line that wanted to be out there and that proved to be successful so
1: now let's go over to uh let's go to the nhl and some of the musings around the league actually the ahl right we've got some teams withholding uh playing this year right
0: they opted out yeah three different teams sebastian who are those three teams that we looked up
2: yeah we got Uh, the charlotte checkers milwaukee admirals and the springfield thunderbirds so that's florida nashville and st louis who won't have an ahl team this year so where do those young lads
0: go echl
2: that's the thing i think a lot of the echl teams aren't even going forward so to this it's just that's that's the weird i think uh, lucky enough they've got that taxi squad so i think you know the big names at least get to hang out with the club but i don't know do you do you make a deal with uh, another ahl team to you know send a handful of players that you know help them kind of through the season, but at the same time get some development. Or you know, does a team say, Hey, no, sorry, we've got a full roster? If I'm
0: St. Louis, Florida, Nashville, it was Florida, right? Not not Carolina, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Flor- Florida, Florida, yes, that's what the, that's what the article I just found up here said, Florida, and Nashville, and St. Louis, but I thought it was Carolina as well as Charlotte. So I'll yeah, take a double I thought look Carolina on
0: that was attached to Charlotte checkers. But I mean if, if I'm like just so hypothetically if I'm St. Louis, right, and my AHL team isn't gonna be there, so I can't properly develop however many guys Saint Louis has on the AHL roster. I'm allowing them to go wherever the hell they need to go to get developed. I don't care if it's Europe, the East Coast Hockey League, wherever whatever their talent level is that they can go and get a contract and I can talk with that organization. Again, that's a that's a that's one of the issues that these teams are going to face uh, heading into COVID. Or, do you, like you said, with the taxi squad, they just have them keep playing with the boys up there in the NHL and just attach themselves in, until they're needed.
2: So some news actually came down today. So Florida is linked with the Checkers now. And Florida tweeted out today that they've come to an agreement with uh, Syracuse Crunch to offer the use of their affiliate. So I think that they'll be able to send some players over That's to uh, to at least get some development. So hopefully okay. the other two teams are able to do that because that's kind of a huge loss for them.
0: It's massive. I mean, the AHL is critical to the NHL success, period. Absolutely. You know, those guys need development. They need time up there. Uh, they need to be able to... If a guy's not going to be 100% ready for your roster, but you want them to keep developing their game, places like the a you know the AHL, NCAA, the Canadian Hockey League... This is where you have those guys go, depending, of course, on their age. It's critical to the development of the player moving forward. And so with those teams opting out, that's it's a big loss. I know there's 13 ECHL teams that have kept into the
2: season. I think once this is all done, I mean, I, I think I've got a bigger appreciation for the HL and the ECHL and hockey all over just because it's kind of like, you know, you take what you have for granted until it's gone. And I think this year that's kind of what it's taught us for hockey fans, at least. Yeah, well, it's
1: great. Um, I wish the AHL... Uh, roadrunners were closer to here because I'd be catching even more hockey games than I am but it's interesting being out in Arizona is the lack of respect that Arizona gets for hockey even though ASU's having a pretty good hockey season knocking on you're know, knocking off some of those um, top US schools right that are known for hockey have you seen ASU's new arena That they're yeah, in? yeah it's coming out 2022 yeah it's going to be pretty cool Ooh, that's a beauty
2: that's- yeah Uh, That's a wicked recruiting tool what that is
1: yeah but originally what happened though guys they were supposed they were supposed to go into a partnership with the coyotes and they were going to do a facility downtown on asu land and you know what it came down to is politicians just saying no we're not going to pay for help pay for a hockey another hockey you got a perfectly good one in glendale right and you know the dumb part about this though is um yeah, you know, I think it would have been awesome, right? The the university would have gotten, you know, an even better facility, had a pro team right down right downtown. It would have been the it would have been the perfect, perfect setup for the coyotes to alleviate a lot of the problems up here. But yeah, but kudos to them. They're they're playing good hockey and they're recruiting people over this way now. One interesting quote though from the coach, the team, you know, what he said was frustrating for them is, you know, when they were because you know, they went on this wicked road trip, you know, and they were stuck out there for a long time. So all they had to do was watch hockey and clips of other teams. And what they noticed are some of the guys that are up and coming on other teams, they were the next consideration to that team they chose. Like it was between that team and ASU and they just fell short. So, you know, it kind of, you know, kind of hurt them a bit, right? Thinking, Hey, if we had that extra player, so would be even more competitive. But if they're getting that close now, they're a few, I think, three or four years away from really shocking uh, college hockey world with the kind of program that they built here.
0: No, I think you're on point there. I mean, attracting players is a big deal. Look at, look at Louisiana State University. with uh, You can't pay uh, these kids coming out of high school for, with football, but... You can entice them to a twenty-eight million dollar facility where they got everything covered. Like if you haven't seen it, check out LSU's college football facility. It's I don't know, dude. It's something else. But like Penn State University, uh, they weren't anywhere near the top. Even if I don't even think they were D one years ago. And then the Pagulas, who owned the Sabers and the Bills and the Rochester Americans and so many other things. Terry Pagula, the. Buffalo Bill's owner there is in all matter about Penn State. So he decided to build a $22 million arena there in Penn State, the Pagula, you know, arena, whatever it's called. Dude, that thing's sick. Look at Penn State University now. That definitely attracted some of the top quality candidates out of North America to come play at Penn State. And now they've got a competitive, you know, NCAA hockey team. So arenas like that and asu looking to because i mean i saw pictures at arena i'm like okay that that's sick that's gonna entice players to come they want to play in these facilities they want to have the the top notch of everything because they can't make money but they can have their college paid for and playing some top end facilities that's what's going to attract these 18 year olds out of high school you know what i'm saying
1: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and you know wanting to come to whether where you're out in shorts girls in shorts and you're, you can do a ton of outdoor stuff and then just go into a hockey arena, you know, where it's just there in, in the middle of – essentially with summer everywhere else in the world, right? Like this is what we consider our summer weather here in the winter. Or going to a place like Minnesota or Wisconsin in the bitter cold of winter and, you know, getting, you know, the same level of training hockey-wise, right? But you were adamant, hell no, it was Minnesota with you all the way. I'm like, so zero consideration. Yeah, Shane, I'm
0: all about the snow. I'm from Buffalo. <laughs> if you can give me the snow? Like, so okay, so I live in Utah right now, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: the reason we live in the spot of Utah that we do right on the Wasatch Front, right near Uintah Canyon, is because it gets a lot more snow than like my buddy who lives, uh, the guy who goes to all the games with me, the Ogden Mustangs, he lives maybe seven miles down Antelope Road, uh, towards the Great Salt Lake. He lives like a mile off the Great Salt Lake. He doesn't get like a quarter of the snow I get. I discovered where I wanted to live that had snow, and I picked the snowiest part of uh you know this this northern part of Salt Lake City that I could. And I did the same thing when I lived in England. You know I discovered where all the Americans were living, and I I moved I moved the uh, forty miles opposite direction uh, where I wouldn't you know be around any other Americans or Canadians. I you know was living in England. I wanted to be surrounded by British people. That's just me.
1: <laughs> well cause, you know let's ask somebody else that's in snowy weather if you had had a had the choice between arizona and me you know and let's just pick another another cool well let's say buffalo right let's say there's north a, dakota no north dakota you know you were going to get the same same training which one are you going to
2: see for me like i always say this i was joking with the wife that like i'd like to you know move to arizona and just have summer
1: all the time and be able to where my hey, suits at rink oh, I supposed the rank? Not hold on. It's not summer all the time. It's it's hellscape in Fertile for four months, <laughs> and then it's summer all the time. Just clarify. Okay, sorry. Just, just sorry, clarify. Have you I'll, ever I'll felt s- your skin? I'll burn sweep my driveway, i my driveway. Are the same. What's that, <laughs> sir? Have you ever felt your
0: skin burn? You could actually feel it happening at the time it was happening.
2: Oh yeah, we uh, we go out to the the East Coast every year, and uh, we sit on the beach. And sometimes there's a few times where you're sitting there and you're going, "Okay, I have started smell like bacon here."
0: Yeah, that's that's Arizona for st- for four straight months. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but for me, honestly, like I always say, like when we get like big winter storms and you know you have to go shovel, and the like, guy oh, I wish I was there. But honestly, at the end of the day, stick me in North Dakota, I'm
1: happy. I love my snow. Yeah, we'll see about that, boys. As I said that years ago, um, <laughs> and then now that I'm here, if I you know when I go home to visit everybody and I have to shovel the driveway once, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'd be outside comfortably watching my in, by my bonfire. So, I yeah. love
0: shoveling, but I tell you what. One thing I'll do uh, moving forward is I'm gonna get a cheap shovel again because cheap shovels are better than the nice, expensive shovel oh, I got at Lowe's. My expensive shovel sucks. Like cheap shovels do the job, man. Like you don't need a forty-dollar shovel. You need a, you know, eight-dollar shovel. That's all. You need. They do. They do better
1: job. You gotta, throw, so, you gotta throw, you gotta throw a name brand there, guys. You can be getting yourself some. Free I'm shovels. not gonna
0: throw a name brand because I'm <laughs> slamming a yellow curved shovel I got from Lowe's last year, which <laughs> makes me feel like I'm an idiot. Shove like I've shoveled my entire life, and with this shovel, I just feel like I'm doing it wrong, and I, I shouldn't feel like that.
2: So, don't. Well, be you your know, I'll, I'll make you a deal. When, once the border opens up, feel free to come down here, and you can shove my driveway anytime. Want. <laughs> as long as
0: you cover my expenses,
2: I'm good. I. And beer will be here nice and cold for
1: you. Yeah. So so enjoy, yeah. But see, when I'm down visiting, I'm watching the hockey games and subways. I'm not doing any show. Chris, I'll bring Chris down with me and he can can do that part. Well, there was a Christmas
0: when my in laws were visiting from uh, Carlton Place. Uh, It was a Christmas 2017 or 2016. I want to say 2016. I think 2017, her best friend was visiting. So 2016, Christmas Day here in Utah. I had to go out and shovel like eight times that day. We were just getting hammered. That was one of those few days where I'm like, okay, I'm sick of this. You know? But that doesn't happen often. Just...
1: It, the, the ones that got me, boys, and it's been years since I've had to worry about this, were the when it was, you know, it, it was. It, it's usually the first snowfall of the year where you get that sleety snow after it's already, because it's warming up a bit, right? So you've got a heavy powder underneath, and I'm talking on a heavy snowfall day, and that sleet crap starts coming down a bit, and you go to shovel, and every... Like, half a scoop weighs 50 pounds.
0: (laughs) That was my last shoveling experience uh, a week ago. I was like, it was just like, that's like a half a scoop. I'm like, I'm going to throw my back out. I'm going to throw my back out.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Going back to your question about Arizona and North Dakota, at the end of the day, though, you know why I'd rather shovels? Because I could be outside shoveling a rink that I'm about to play on, and as Arizona, I can't do that.
1: Yeah, but we've got a lot of indoor rinks around here. You don't have to worry about ice time. The only thing I'll tell you about ice time here is it's way more expensive, way, way more oh, expensive. Oh, yeah, when it, when you
0: own places where, like, when I was uh, living in England, I'm a goalie, and I had to pay for every single session I went on to, which felt, like, so, wrong. That
1: no, is wrong. It's, it's 100% it's, wrong. I've, I've never paid. Well, and I know I tell you, though, too, I do regret playing, playing so much shaneet. Um, but yeah when i pick when any pickup games and they want to be in net, I never paid a dime.
0: I never well the only place i ever play ever paid to play was England uh every other place I've played Canada the United states and everything in between I haven't i didn't pay a penny
2: oh, that's a lot yeah that's a hockey law
0: it is honestly I, I should have taken the offer like hindsight 2020 I did like my i did like the team I played for in England but I should have taken the uh offer from the i think it was called the oxford stars but uh, i played at the rink in oxford right out there outside oxford university and I, i practiced with the the oxford university team a bunch but i think it was the oxford stars that pay that offered to pay for all of my expenses involved with playing for their team if i'd play for their team and i was just like well i've kind of already committed to this other team in Oxford, so in hindsight, I should have played with them. So I signed me more Ice policy. time, yeah, ice hope. time's hard. To come
2: by. Oh. Yeah, I think honestly, that's one thing I wish, you know, I would have maybe done before is go go and play hockey elsewhere, like different countries, just kind of see a different game. And I think that's uh, that's something I definitely missed out on. But I hope that uh, you know, once COVID kind of goes away, I'll get a chance to do.
0: No, it'd be awesome. Honestly, I, I'm hoping to bring up some of my ex-teammates here soon to talk some hockey. I got my buddy Speedy up there and Dundee, Scotland. Reconnected with him recently. As pigeonhole hockey has its own Facebook account, and I'm able to reconnect with some of my ex-teammates. And he'd be a fun one to bring on. And then my uh, American buddy, uh, who I played with in England, who played with uh, Ray Bork's kid. He's actually relocating to Utah here in a few months. So like I said, he was the best player on our team outside of when, uh, outside of our Slovak teammate that got there. I would say to get that opportunity to play, like I traveled around and I got to play in Germany. As well, and that was if, if you're getting to play hockey anywhere in the world, whether that's Australia or Thailand or South Africa, because there's leagues all over the place. If, if you got a chance, if you're listening to this, because we do have listeners, uh, you know, we got people recently that ch- tuned in from France, uh, Switzerland, Brazil. We're getting listeners from all over the world right now. You know, there's hockey fans everywhere, there's hockey rinks everywhere, but uh, the, the more you get away from Kind of a northern country like the United States, Canada, Russia, Sweden, Finland. The more involved in hockey you have to be in order to get the ice time, and the more invested you have to be. So, as easy as us for a like, I'm, I'm from Buffalo. Hockey rinks were on every other corner, like they are anywhere in Canada. Yeah, seriously though, Sebastian, you ever get a chance to hit the ice somewhere else? Take the opportunity.
2: Yeah, I mean that's definitely a goal. I mean once, once all this is over with, there's a lot of things that you know are on the. Would have i could i could have done at one point in my life and i just didn't take a chance to and i think i'm looking forward to you know the world hopefully going back to normal someday soon and uh being able to take up on those things and uh it's you know it's, it's just such a the thing to me you at know, hockey at the end of the day is all one big family so it's kind of it's cool yep. just to be able to to share something like that that you love with other people that you uh, know you know maybe never had a chance to meet before
0: it was a blast so i actually I, I had i had a blast you know playing with the Playing with the Blue Wings, playing with the Assassins, playing with the Warbirds—I just, I had a blast my entire time there. So, getting off of that level of hockey, I know me, you, and Steve briefly talked about the Matthews-Marner line. Uh, anybody have an opinion on that? <laughs>
1: uh, who wants to jump on this one first? Sebastian, you're, you're the guest host, so go for it, man uh just like we always talk about the tsn and
2: just blowing up toronto things i mean to me you bring in joe thornton and he's there to be a locker room guy he's there to be you know maybe a second line guy at the most he's you know he's not going to score 40 goals for you and they throw him on the first line and you know it's all especially media around here all i'm seeing is you know oh joe thornton this and joe thornton that and he says he feels like he's 19 again i'm like Uh, just please get those two guys a guy that can score a couple more goals for him and a guy that'll give him a bit more ice, you know, some free ice instead of uh, just an extra guy sitting on the wing.
1: Here's the thing, right, is the the playbook's out on Joe Thornton, right? He's not – he passes the puck almost – even when he's got a good scoring opportunity, he's always looking for a pass, right? So a goalie still has to play him true, but they know what's going to be coming from him, right? So when you have somebody that you already know is – pretty much take it into play for a shot, they're a little bit easier to defend on, right? We'll see how it goes. Like the thing that the credit I can give to Thornton is he is a good passer. He's pretty accurate and he's good like you know, he's good. So maybe the Leafs are hoping he could just keep feeding Matthews, but again, if I'm a goalie, I'm getting in my mind and cheat and get set for Matthews, right? That shot's not really coming at me. Yeah, I think I think it's the wrong move, I think, if you're gonna load up that line, load it the hell right on up. Make them fear every shift they go on there.
0: Yeah, I think you nail it there. I think if you're a goalie, put Thornton up on there in the line, you know Thornton's a passer, he's always gonna pass first. You're not looking at Thornton as a threat, so you're automatically your brain's transitioning to it's gonna go to Matthews or Marner and more likely, you know, Matthews. I just don't think that's that's the right way forward for them. But let's see how the let's see how the the season pans out there in Toronto. Uh, I think a great place for us to wrap it up. Sebastian briefly mentioned reason he'd prefer to play North Dakota is he can you know just scoop some snow off the ice and play some outdoor games. It's actually a big thing here in Utah. There's a lot of places where they hold pond hockey. There's a whole like there's a couple different pond hockey groups in Utah where they meet up to just play some pond hockey games. And speaking of pond hockey, did y'all see the NHL's
1: announcement on Lake Tahoe? Yeah, cool. Just no. There's no going to be zero fans in attendance. Did you see that part? There's no fans now. Well, no. There's going to be. There's going to be fans. I'm saying this is an outdoor game. The whole idea about yeah. the outdoor game is should you get the outdoor hockey experience. Same. So, hey, now you got to make it a whole thing about the
0: fan experience at home, like Lake Tahoe. <laughs> there's nobody around. Or you're going to just have a couple fools on the sidelines, like you do right now in Edmonton with the World Juniors. It's just going to be the boys playing on the on the ice. So I think it could be really. I was I was hoping for Lake Louise,
1: but that was shot down. Well, well, um, well here's what I'm saying though: is it's okay. So I'm not going to be pumped up to watch this game. Like good for good for the guys going because I'm a hockey player. Lake Tahoe you're in a gorgeous area and you're not going to have a bunch of people bothering you in and around game time. You know, I look at it that way going, it's like a vacation game for them because they're going to be out in a beautiful area. But I mean, fan wise, it's a whole idea about the outdoor game is getting a bunch of people together out to go watch this. I'm like, I, Hey, if well, it, if it...
0: depending on the part of Lake Tahoe, if if it's anywhere near State Line, Nevada, they got the Hard Rock Cafe Hotel there. If it's anywhere near there, bro, I'll lock up some tickets, you know, because I could just watch in my hotel room if I get a room high enough, you know. So <laughs> it just depends on where they're where they're where they're playing because Lake Tahoe is huge. So it depends on the part of the lake they they're gonna put the the game on. Dude, that ain't a bad drive for for me here in Salt Lake City. I'll take the drive out there and try to get the hotel room to watch the game. And, you know, I'll, I'll tweet y'all live on my very, like, oh, look at are like, I see little black dots moving around on the ice. So, you know, at least I'll feel that me, way
2: I feel like. For me, I think those, for the outdoor games, I always have that 24 7 leading up to it. So I think to me, maybe that's a way to, if they're allowing film crews, you know, depending on COVID and all that and how they do it. But maybe they, they have the 24-7 again for, you know, the games that are going to be outside. And it's kind of a, you said, a fan experience and so still be able to be part of the game before and leading up to without actually having to be there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think that was a, a nice little perfect stopping point there. I know you guys are big fans of the Scotiabank North Division. Label <laughs> our jerseys like we're in Europe. I'm all for it. I don't care. I'm and not then, a traditionalist.
1: Then, and, then, and then actually, you know, just get on the ice, you know, where, where the... You know, just a little bit out of view is just have like that virtual advertising, even on the ice. Not while the game's going on, so there's too many logos, right? But just as it's moving in the background. Well,
0: I think this is a perfect spot to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, I know Steve and I want to thank again Coach LaMarche from the Carlton Place Canadians of the EOJHL for once again jumping on. Thank you, Sebastian.
2: Uh, no, thank you, guys. I love doing this and uh, any time.
0: No, it's awesome, and I know you're locked down there with the the Ontario lockdown. So, But that said, uh, this is Chris, Sebastian, and Steve. Have a great one, hockey fans. And
1: we'll catch you next time.